This morning we start our new theme for the month and our new theme under our topic of the abundant life that we're looking at this year, the new theme for this month is the invested life. The invested life because if you want to live an abundant life, that abundant life needs to have an investment in others' lives. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that over the month. And I want to encourage you uh, with today's message. I'm going to be talking today and next Sunday as well about principles of the paycheck. Now, don't turn off. Okay, I've had people come up to me, say, all the church wants is your money. Well, I was told the other day that the last time I spoke about money in the church was 2017. So that's pretty remiss of me. That's pretty wrong of me and I ask for your forgiveness for not preaching on money for quite a while. Uh, Why is it important that we preach on this particular subject? Because how we use our money and our possessions reveals to us and to others our priorities, our loyalties and our affections. In fact, money and its stewardship is of vital importance to God. Yes, he may own the cattle on a thousand hills, as I've heard quoted so many times and even this morning, that's so true. But how we steward our money is vitally important to God. When it comes to money matters, money matters to God. And so we're going to be talking about that. And I pray that you'll be encouraged. I pray that you will be uh, picking up on things perhaps that you're not quite sure of, because that's what this teaching is about. And then next week, we're going to be looking at some of the remarkable blessings involved in giving to the Lord. You know, in the Bible, there's about 500, just a little over 500 verses on faith. It's about the same on prayer. But there are over 2,000 verses on money and possession. And so this is an important subject. This is clearly important to God. In fact, of the 16 of of 38 parables that Jesus taught on, 16 of them are to do with money. And so this is important. So principles of the paycheck. That word paycheck may not mean a lot to some of the younger generation. And so we will explain what that's all about. So let's talk about money and let's talk about how God says we should use it. Here's the first principle. You ready? I always feel a little uncomfortable speaking about money. It's probably... Yeah, that's probably why I haven't spoken since 2017 on money, but it's so important that we do. So anyway, principle number one. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33. You know, with me, it started when I was five years of age and it started with a song, a melamine cup and some sugar-coated peanuts. I think, what's this guy talking about? Well, you see, when I was five years of age, my parents were 
pastors and they were called home missions evangelists in the state of Queensland. And what that meant was their role was they, they were lent a Ford 1100 pickup truck, a 22-foot van, and their role was to go from rural town to rural town throughout Queensland and Dad would set up tent crusades, Bill Cathy crusades, and then we would stay in those regional towns for a period of time to establish and plant churches. Even to this day, it's such to the glory of God. But I, I just thank God that the fact is, when I go to Queensland, there's so many rural towns that I know of, like Gundawindi. Who's been to Gundawindi? Gundawindi and, and Wynnum and Ipswich and Gainder and Bowen and so many places. And I know that my mum and dad planted churches in those places and they're still going today which is absolutely fantastic but that's not what this is about you see as home missions directors in Queensland they were paid $26 a week when the average wage at the time in Australia was 130 a week so and out of that we had to pay our petrol as well so to say that we were dirt poor was an understatement. We were quite poor and, and my two brothers, my older brothers, I was the youngest, they were living with my grandparents in Bowen and then later in Rocky, Rockhampton. And uh, I was in with my parents and we went from place to place. So I'd, they'd lock me into the school um, in that place for two months or however long we were there, then we'd move on to somewhere else. I went to so many schools as a kid. And we would always pass the time in the car. How do you pass time, time with a little five-year-old in travelling extensive road journeys? And so we would sing. <laughs> and it, we didn't have the luxury back in those days of baby shark, do, 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 do. <laughs> You parents know what I'm talking about. We didn't have the luxury of songs like No More Joey's Jumping on the Bed. My family didn't have a TV. And so we would sing choruses. And one of the choruses at the time that was the most popular we would sing was Seek Ye First the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, you can feel the presence of God. <laughs> and so we would sing this and it'd be interrupted occasionally by games of I spy with my little eye. But there's only so many games of that you can play with a five-year-old before it starts becoming tedious. But we would always fill up with petrol. And some of you might remember these petrol stations. We would always fill up at the Golden Fleece petrol station. Who remembers Golden Fleece petrol station? Yeah, showing your age. <laughs> the Golden Fleece petrol station. And the reason we would fill up at Golden Fleece petrol stations was because they had a promotion available that every time you filled up your car at the station you would receive a free melamine cup we've still got some of those cups 
We would receive a melamine cup and mum and dad would always say to five-year-old Jonathan, hey, Jonathan, what colour do you think the cup will be this time? I was like, oh, I think it's a blue, or I think it's a black, or I think it's a brown or a green or whatever. But we would receive a melamine cup. I remember this one particular day that we filled up with petrol and the attendant, back in those days, you didn't, it wasn't self-serve. There would be an attendant, come fill your car up, take your money, go back to the station, get your change and whatnot, and then come out to you again. And I remember the attendant, this particular day we filled up, dad paid the money and he came back, this attendant, with the prized melamine cup because we needed every free thing we could get. And he had this little bag of purpley coloured peanuts, sugar-coated peanuts. And he handed the cup to my dad and he handed the peanuts and said, for the for the young'un in the back. And my eyes lit up. Dad gave me the peanuts. I had a peanut, didn't like them at all. And so (laughs) mum and dad ended up eating the peanuts. But you know what? I took away from that, the fact that I still remember it today, I took away from that something far more important that in my simple five-year-old understanding, we were actually putting God first and getting free cups and snacks along the way. That's what I learned. As a five-year-old kid, it instilled something within me way back then that God provides, that God actually provides. Now, we were living in that caravan. Even today, I have an aversion to caravans. I once drove 150 kilometres more in travel to avoid staying in a caravan that we'd be in a hotel instead. (laughs) Caravans are different these days. But we were living in a caravan. I was missing my brothers who were with my grandparents. But, you know, many times we got to the end of the week and there was nothing left. In fact, there were weeks when... We hadn't even got to the end and there was nothing left. And I saw something incredible. This is what I saw each and every time. And I say each and every time, not just every now and again. Each and every time when we got to that place, mum and dad would pray. They would pray. They would say, God, you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we're not in this for the money. We're in this because you have called us to this. And so that we know in faith and trust in you that you will provide in this situation. In fact, you have even provided in this situation long before we were even aware of the need. And you made a provision then for now. And so we saw God provide in each and every situation. Sometimes it was a farmer from the local community who would drop off a parcel of produce for the missionaries. Sometimes it might be some eggs or bread or meat or milk or whatever that was left at the caravan station where we were. And when that didn't happen... When we were in those desperate situations of need, Dad would say, well, let's go up to the caravan station to see whether any males come in, which was a miracle in itself. 
how mail could get to us when we were travelling around two months at a time and whatnot and people catching up to where we were. Sure enough, each time we went to that caravan station, there would be an envelope. And in that envelope, there would be perhaps a, a $5 note or a $10 note from some faithful servant of God somewhere in his church family who had felt to give something to the missionaries. God is good. You know, from a young age, my testimony has been what Tony talked about last week, that I've never, ever seen the righteous forsaken or go begging for bread never god is good so from the tender age of five i saw firsthand the foundational principle of the invested life the first principle of the paycheck if you seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you What are all these things? You look at that passage. You go through that passage in Matthew 6. You you may be amazed this morning about the things that are added to your life when you first seek the kingdom of God. The first thing mentioned in that passage is this, that you'll have a vision and a purpose for your life. You want to know God's vision. You want to know that purpose. You want to know his will for your life. Seek him first. Put him first in everything you do. Verses 22 to 23 of that passage, it talks about your eye will become the light of your soul and you'll be able to see with such clarity in the midst of the darkness. Then it goes on and says this, uh, you will understand the priorities in life that are important. Because verse uh, 24 says that you won't be torn between two different masters. There won't be all these different masters and things trying to crowd in on your time. You will know the priority of God in your life. I love this next thing. What's added unto you? Verses 25 to 27, it tells us that if you seek first the kingdom of God, there will be freedom from anxiety. Wow. Wow. Freedom from anxiety, that faith in God's care will dispel the worry in your life. And let me encourage you today, if you are plagued by fear and anxiety and and worry in your circumstance, let me just encourage you, put God first. Seek him first because he will dispel that in your life. The next thing it goes on and, and says this is an addition to our life is that there will be a beauty and a radiance that flows out of our life. In verses 28 to 30, it's likened to the lilies of the field that are dressed and clothed by God's creative goodness, that there will be a godly attraction in our life that will bring success and fruitfulness. And then finally, in verses 31 to 33, practical daily provision in our lives. We desperately need to follow the first principle of the paycheck, seek first the kingdom of God. And how we steward our money is vital in that because... If we don't seek first the kingdom of God with our money, we may not seek first the kingdom of God in other things. So important that we do that. Sometimes I think we fall for the opposite view, that if all these things are added unto me, then I'll give God something. 
But friends, that's, that's not how it works. You see, that's not the pathway of the seeker of his kingdom. That's the pathway of the consumer. And if we are consumers rather than contributors, we'll become customers rather than disciples. It's gotten quiet in here. So this first principle, seek first the kingdom of God, it applies to our time, our talent and our treasure. Amen? You still with me? Good. Second principle. Not only do we seek first the kingdom of God, but the first of the first belongs to God. Let's just take that in for a while. The first of the first belongs to God. You see, some will remember the old paycheck. Who remembers the old paycheck before online transfer and, and before the way we do things, direct transfer and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Who remembers the little yellow envelopes? Now, some of you are looking quizzically at me like, what's he speaking about? Let me explain. Back in the day... <laughs> We used to get a paycheck and this little envelope would come to us. You would go at the end of your week or fortnight, whenever you got paid, you'd go either to the, the pay office or the pay officer would come to you and you would receive this little yellow envelope. You'd sign off for it. And in that envelope would be a couple of things. One, there would be the little slip that told you how much tax has been taken out for the government. Bless them. And... You would also receive your nice crispy notes of your pay for that week or that fortnight, however you got paid. Now, I remember receiving my paycheck. I remember Edie receiving her paycheck. And Edie had this thing that she would do every time. Every time. She'd open the little yellow envelope, take out those crispy bills, those dollars, and she would siphon off her tithe and there would be this little pocket, this zip-up pocket in her wallet or her purse that you just don't go near because that tithe would go into that zip-up pocket and that would be given to the Lord. It would not be touched. That was the first thing she would do every time. You know why? Because it was this principle, the first of the first. The first of the first. It was, let's honour the Lord by putting him first in this situation, making sure that he is the priority of our lives. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures this morning. Exodus 13 verse 2, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Did you hear that? This is God speaking. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast. It is mine, says God. It's his. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits 
Okay, there it is, the first of the first. The first of the first fruits of your land shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So not only is it his, but we are to bring it into the church. goes on and says, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Not only is it his, not only do we bring it into the storehouse, but it comes with incredible blessing on our lives. Wow. I used to wonder in Genesis 4, I used to wonder why the two brothers, Cain and Abel, remember they brought a gift to the Lord. They brought an offering to the Lord. I used to wonder how come it was that Abel's gift was accepted and Cain's wasn't. Remember Cain was a farmer and he brought beautiful produce from the land to give to the Lord. How come his sacrifice or his gift wasn't accepted by God and yet Abel's was. Well, Abel was a shepherd, if you remember correctly. And here's the key, I reckon, in that verse. It says that Abel bought the best of his flock. He didn't just bring good things, he brought the best. Other versions say the first. The first of his things. The first of the first, even today, friends, I make sure that my first fruits, that the tithe comes out automatically of my account before anything else. Why? Because the first fruits belong to him. Belong to him. You may not see me giving on the road. You may see the bucket passing by. Although there's occasions where I give offerings as well, and we'll talk about that some other time. That's because it's already come out. It's already come out of that giving to the Lord first says he's important but giving him the first of the first says he's priority you see one is a position of esteem the other is a position of worship think about that and when we give to the Lord it's worship It's worship to him. Amen? You've gone really quiet. Here's my final principle today, and I need to unfold this. Tithing. Oh, there's that word. Tithing is a New Testament function. No, I did make a mistake. Tithing is a New Testament function. A few months ago, I mentioned around offering as I was encouraging people. I I mentioned how Edie and I have always been tithers. And do you know that after the service, I had some people come up to me and told me off. You shouldn't be talking about tithing from the pulpit. I said, really? (laughs) I just don't get that. I, I just don't understand that. I mean, this principle, I've studied on and off for for 20, 30 years. For those of you that do not understand what tithing is about, tithing is a principle that's found in the Bible where his people give 10% of their income to him through the church or in the Old Testament through the priesthood and the temple. Now, as I said, Edie and I have always 
since we've been earning with tithes to the Lord and we have seen the remarkable blessing of God in our lives because of our obedience to him. We'll talk about blessing next week. But just to, to let you know, we have been on a single wage for 27 years. Okay. 20, some of you are thinking, well, that must be some wage. We have been on a single wage for 27 years. And in that time, we bought a house. We've upgraded the house four times. We've moved cities. We've come to one of the most expensive cities to live in in Australia on a single wage. Now, just to give you some idea, without going into too many details, that wage at the moment would be the equivalent of somewhere between a subject coordinator and a deputy principal at a school. Okay, that's the wage that I'm on. You can Google it if you want. It's not that exciting. But we have seen God's blessing over our finances, over what we have done. We've, we've had four kids. We've had great holidays. We've, we've been provided for each and every time. And what is the answer? How does that happen? In fact, when you look at the, the figures, it doesn't add up. In fact, the last five years in this city with inflation and with everything else going on, we've actually been able to tithe more than the 10% and give offerings as well. How, how does that work out? I'll tell you how it works out. Good stewardship and the blessing of God that comes through tithing. That's how it works out. I've learned over the years, having studied and spoken to so many people on this subject, that there are two fundamental reasons why people don't tithe. One is they don't know to, never been taught, or the other is they don't want to. They're the answers. That's it. Everything falls under those things. And part of the reason of sharing this Principles of the Paycheck series is to help explain to those who don't know to and help encourage those who, who don't want to, perhaps to just think a little bit differently about this blessing of God. Research conducted by Relevant magazine in March 2016. They went to churches right around the world. It was an extensive research. This is what they discovered, that 10 to 25% of church tithes. That means that approximately 8 out of 10 born-again Christians don't tithe. So you're not on your own if you don't tithe. It's uh, very common around the world. Now, people give token offerings every now and again, particularly if there's a particular project or, a, or a, a missions cause, something like that. And we'll talk more about offerings next week. But they don't give a regular tithe of their income. Now, people over the years give me all sorts of reasons. I've heard everything, friends. Not just most things. I've heard everything when it comes to this principle and I've heard what people have said this is one thing I've heard a commonly spoken it's an old testament principle pastor john it's an old testament principle well just because something is old testament doesn't make it irrelevant or unvalidated and what's more I'll show you that it's actually a new testament principle in a moment 
In fact, many Old Testament principles carry forward to this day. In fact, many constitutions in democratic countries in particular are founded on principles of the Old Testament. And so it's good to keep that in mind. This is something else I hear. Well, it's part of the law. It's part of the law. Well, that's just, sorry if you've, you've said that before, but it's wrong. It's, it's wrong because Abraham and Jacob were practicing tithing 430 years before the law was instituted. And what happened was this was transferred into the law, into the Levitical code and then into the New Testament, as we'll see in a moment. It's another thing I hear. Well, we're now under grace. Praise God. It's always a praise God on the end. We're now under grace. Look, that is so true. I thank God that we are now benefactors of the new covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. Wow, what a blessing. But there's a couple of things to keep in mind. The first is this, and I think people get this misunderstood so often. Jesus didn't come to dismiss the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And that's very different. He came to fulfill the law. To abolish the law would be saying that, that God somehow made a mistake or that God somehow did something that was less than perfect. But let me tell you, the law had a legitimate purpose both then because it showed that we of ourselves could do nothing at all to solve the sin situation. And it still has a purpose now, a reminder to us. And secondly, under this new covenant of grace that we all are blessed with, the requirements are actually much greater than the old. Why is that? And, and this is good news. Why are the requirements greater on us? Because we have now been empowered with the Holy Spirit, to live a life above and beyond and so that we are enabled to live with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Let me give you an example. Jesus in Matthew 5, he says these kinds of things. He says, the law says, do not murder. I think that's a great principle to follow on into the New Testament covenant. But he says, don't be angry. The law says, do not commit adultery. Again, another great principle to follow on into the New Testament covenant. But I say, don't even look lustfully at a woman. Wow. You see, the standards of grace are far higher than the standards of the law. You see, grace isn't a ticket to do what we want. It's not a ticket to live how we want to live. When it actually comes to the grace argument against tithing, the standards of giving are not just to give a teth, but it's to give your whole life. If we're applying that. The other thing I've heard people say is God doesn't need my money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And that is so true. But you know what? You and I need his blessing. And you and I need what it is to know to put him first. Amen? 
Let's look quickly at the New Testament. I've gone a little bit long. I'll be wrapping up very soon. Musicians, please come. Hebrews is a New Testament book. And it's a great book. It's an important book. Because the book of Hebrews tells us and shows us how to link the old with the new. In fact, it's one of the key themes of the book. It's how to link the old with the new. I'm pretty sure back at that time, Christians who'd been saved out of Judaism, Christians who had been saved and experienced this new covenant of grace, I'm pretty sure that they had said things like, how do we, how do we take on this new life in Christ, but at the same time, what principles do we accept from our, our background? What, what flows through and what doesn't. So that's the foundation of this book. It's one of the main themes. In, in fact, the book starts by saying this. In the past, right, the old, God spoke through his prophets. But in nowadays, in, in these days, in the new, in fact, some translations say in the final days, which means it comes right up to now. He has spoken through his son. In other words, everything dovetails together through the person of Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews chapters 5 to 8, we see this story of tithing unfold. We are told that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, the priest of Salem. Now that priest, is, we are told, was an eternal priest. He was eternal in nature. He was human and divine. Okay, so this priest wasn't just an earthly priest. He is a type of Jesus. Many theologians would say he is what's called an epiphany of Jesus, an appearance of Jesus in human form in the Old Testament. Now, I won't explain reasons and things about that for you. It's not what we're talking about today. And then we are told that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek and we're told this an interesting way of putting it. It says, Levi or the seed of Levi was in Abraham's loins when Abraham tithed. What does that mean? Because Levi wasn't his son. Levi was his great-grandson. So what's it saying to us? Is there's a clear uh, saying there or a clear observation there that the tithe was transferred from Abraham to Levi and Levi, of course, was in charge of the law, the Levitical law, the worship of the. So we see that transference. But then Hebrews goes on in Hebrews 7, which is so good because Hebrews 7 follows Hebrews 6 and before Hebrews 8. It's just wonderful how that works. <laughs> Hebrews 7 tells us that Christ is an eternal priest in the order of Melchizedek. Did you hear that? So with the context here being the tithe, the influence is that the same practice, the same principle continues into the new covenant under Jesus Christ. Wow. But you know what? It goes even further. Because in Hebrews 8, we are told that these laws that the writer's been talking about they will now be written on the human heart and the human mind. Verse 10. 
So the new covenant doesn't replace the old. It makes it obsolete because now the laws of God are transcribed on the human heart and the human mind. Therefore, therefore, tithing becomes a part of our personal worship. I'll just let that sink in for a bit. It becomes a part of our personal worship. And and why is it so important to go through all that theology? Because I believe so many people are missing out on the blessing of God in their circumstances because they don't follow this principle of His Word. And we're going to continue next week talking about principles of the paycheck. I've set up the foundations today and next week we're going to see some incredible things starting with a great, amazing passage in Malachi chapter 3.